You are listening to a message by Refuge Community Church. Refuge exists to glorify God by making disciples that shape their communities with the love of Jesus. Good morning, everybody. Wow, it is uh, really just good to see uh, all of your masked up faces. Um, and it's just, it, it's honestly, like, I, I, I didn't know that Josh was actually going to to set this up and, and give an intro like that, like uh, it, it really is an honor to be able to just share with you guys today about uh, what God has been teaching me as I've had some time to be able to get into the word and to glean from him, um, but also in that just to be part of this community that is very, very excited about sharing Jesus with this area, and that is what I want to be a part of today, and that is what we're going to be talking about um, as we go into community. Um, I think that one of the the crazy things about, for me, like, I I don't get to preach very often, but I I honestly really, really enjoy it, and uh, what I've I've noticed that I've been... uh, Uh, Well, just a couple of things came to me while I was uh, preparing for this. One is that I want to say so much. (laughs) And, like, I just don't have a whole lot of time. And so uh, I'm actually going to, like, part of the difficulty for this actually wasn't, like, trying to find something that I could actually say, but, like, to make sure that it was just something that we could all just glean from instead of me just talking about everything I know for, like, a half an hour. And the other thing I thought about is, like, yeah, I don't preach much, and I also don't get my hair cut very much. Uh, I realized that I've, I've got a haircut scheduled for this Tuesday. The only times that I get a haircut, it seems like over the last year, has been either right around when I preach or right before I like go into like a wedding. Um, so I have no idea when I'm going to preach again. So if somebody here could get married in like the next three months, that'd be awesome. Um, but with this, uh, today what we're going to be talking about is uh, like that, that it said in that passage, um, Acts chapter 1, we're going to be looking at what it means to be a witness. Uh, what it means to be a witness, both like as Sean was talking about last week, um, the amazing work that the uh, apostles and then believers did after what Jesus did um, and like how, how he spurred them on to just go out and do amazing things. I'm going to be looking a little bit about what that looks like for us today. How do I be a witness today when I didn't see Jesus personally? I don't, I don't, I I haven't seen his face. I didn't see him doing all these things. And so what does that look like? Um, But before we jump into that, uh, let's just uh, go into prayer once again, because it's definitely not about me. It's about us being able to get gain from him. So let's, let's take this time. Dear Lord, we just thank you so much for uh, the privilege that it is to be your witnesses. Necessarily know what that looks like or feels like all the time, Lord. We recognize that if it were not for you, we definitely would not be here. Um, if it weren't for you, uh, our stories would be very, very different. Lord, you are the one who came down when we were your enemies. There was nothing that we did to deserve the gift that you gave for the sake of us being able to come back into relationship with God, to be able to uh, 
live the life that we were designed to live. So, Lord, I pray that you would use this morning, that you would clear my thoughts, and that you would help me to continue to just be in a state of worship as we talk about what it means to just look to you and to learn from you. Um, Lord, I just pray that you would bless this time, that, uh, that we would walk away this morning loving you a bit more. And uh, we just pray this in Jesus' name. Okay, so um, when looking at this passage, Jesus says that you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit is going to come on you and, you're, and you are going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. We talked a bit about last week about what that actually looked like and how they actually went out into these different areas. But one of the things that, um, that I've been wrestling with and just thinking about is like, what is a witness? What does it mean to be a witness to go out and do these things? And um, so what we're going to look at today is a very basic definition of witness. When you think about, um, I I don't know how call and response is going to work at all. I haven't done this in forever. Um, if, If I'm thinking about like a courtroom setting, Anyone who wants to, to shout out something, what does a witness do? Testify. Testify. <laughs> what does that mean? Exactly. A witness is simply somebody who talks about what they have seen. Uh, they, they were there, they, they saw something happen, and they're, they're giving their perspective on things. So why is it a big deal that God says, you're going to be my witnesses in all these different places? Um, what I want to do is go back a little bit. Uh, that The Acts section is going to be our main uh, scripture, but I'm going to briefly look at how God has always used witnesses from the very beginning to show who he is to the world. Um, in Genesis chapter 12, he goes to this guy named Abraham, except that he wasn't Abraham at the time, but whatever. Um, and uh, he... He had told Abram back in uh, Genesis chapter 12 that I'm going to make you a great nation, that I am going to bless you, and that through you all of the nations of the world would be a blessed. God God blessed Abram and Abraham. His name was Abraham. Okay. God blessed Abraham so that he would be a blessing to the nations, to the world. But it wouldn't just be him. It would be the people that were his descendants, the people who didn't hear God speak this word to, but they would know him, and then his descendants would know their parents and so on. But this idea would be that God would use a bunch of imperfect people to share the perfect love of God to the world. So that's the beginning of it. Now I'm going to jump over to Exodus. Uh, The people of Israel, Abraham's descendants, they were slaves in the land of Egypt. And what God does is that he saves them out of Egypt um, using uh, a a string of miracles, you know, the the ten plagues and all that stuff, until eventually they get up to the Red Sea, Pharaoh's chasing them down, Uh, God opens up the Red Sea and Prince of Egypt's them out of there, And, um, and he does so with the express intent of, once again, blessing them so that he could take them out of this land of slavery, that place that they were in, 
to take them into a new land as a new base of operations so they could use this new place to bless the world. They would have a new place where, once again, he's giving them something so that they could go out to the nations and bring the nations in, that they go out to the nations, but ultimately so that God would be known. In fact, what he does is, at, at one point, he says that he would set up Israel as a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. He says that these people, you guys are all going to be priests. Priests are people who... Uh, their job is to bring people to God and help them to approach God in the right way. Awesome. Also, Israel did a really bad job of that right from the get-go. Um, pretty soon, like almost immediately, it seems like, at least according to Scripture, after they were saved, um, Moses goes away to get the law, and uh, they they fashion up a big old golden calf and say, hey, this is the God who saved us from Egypt. And immediately that witness, that idea of like, God said, I'm going to take you out of here so that you can show about what I did over here so that the world can see how good I am. And they're already taking that and, and focusing on someone else. And yet God still chooses to use this people as his kingdom of priests. Years later, they see that he's good and that they they need to be bringing people to him, and then they forget. Um, They forget how good he is. Does any of this sound familiar, by the way? So, that way from the source of everything that is good. And yet, once again, people still forget, they turn away. And yet, even though there were bad witnesses, God was still affirming that his people would continue to be witnesses. One example um, was in the the book of Isaiah, chapter 49, verse 6. It says, I will also make you a light for the nations to be my salvation to the ends of the earth. He's still talking to his people who have messed up over and over again, saying, I still want to use you. Also, another cool thing that Isaiah did is that he was talking about and other prophets as well we're talking about, there's going to be another guy who's going to come in later, and he's going to be a perfect witness for us. They were looking to ahead to Jesus, and that's exactly what Jesus did. Jesus came to earth. He uh, did a bunch of signs and wonders, ultimately just to show how uh, he did actually come from God, but that his message was, once again, to bring people back to himself so that people could be saved. And also, he was the perfect witness. Um, He said himself uh, in John 14, he who has seen me has seen the Father, because Jesus was himself God, but also a person. And then we get to the passage that we're talking about today, and he talks about how, once again, his people are going to be witnesses to the whole world. And then he ascends to heaven He sends his Holy Spirit down so that the Holy Spirit could work through the people who believe in Jesus. And as I fast-forwarded through thousands of years of history up until the point of Jesus, I'm fast-forwarding a whole lot more thousands of years up until today. Well, actually, it's less thousands. It's whatever. Uh, (laughs) It's only, uh, but this year, 2021, we live now in this age 
where the people who have been impacted by Jesus and who have experienced him one way or another, we are now sharing Jesus with the rest of the world to continue this work while we're here. My point of all of that right there is just to talk about how since the very beginning, God has chosen to use imperfect people to share about how is it should I even do this? Why should I, why, why should I join in with the whole witnessing thing? I'm going to say, first off, witnessing is for our good. It's for us. Um, I don't know if you guys have ever felt this way, but have you, have you ever felt like, uh, like there was something missing from your relationship with God? Like, uh, like you know that he's there. I mean, he's definitely been, been there somewhere one way or another, but there's just something not clicking. Um, I can't diagnose every little detail of like how that, you know, where that might be coming from. But one thing that uh, I have been learning lately, um, both with my relationship with God and also my relationship with my wife, um, going to be one year married this December. I'm excited about that. Um, I've been learning that there is a difference between familiarity and intimacy. Um, they're similar re- related words, but there is definitely a difference. And um, to think about the nuance of the difference between familiarity and intimacy, I think about my relationship with the stand-up comedian Mike Birbiglia. <laughs> Some, at least one person has at least heard the name. Uh, yeah, Mike Birbiglia is absolutely my favorite stand-up. Um, I, I just love his storytelling style. I also love the fact that whenever I bring him up, most people don't know who he is. And he has a stand-up bit talking about that very thing. Um, he talked about how he was in a, uh, a stand or he, he was in a celebrity golf tournament where uh, the person that he was with is like, man, I can't wait until our celebrity gets here. Um, but Mike Berbiglia is a guy that I really enjoy. I listen to his jokes. I think that he's, uh, he's really funny. I like to try to model some of the jokes that I've written after what he does. I think that he's great. Could I say that I am familiar with Mike Berbiglia? Absolutely. Could I say that I am intimate with Mike Berbiglia? No. <laughs> uh, I've, never, I've never said anything with him. I've never, I've, I've, I've never actually met the guy. But more than anything is that one of the things that I've seen is the difference between familiarity and intimacy is that intimacy comes from related experience and it comes from consistent related experience. It's one of those things where like, you can be familiar with somebody and grow to be intimate with them over time because you, you're going through a whole lot of stuff with them and you're, you're becoming known by them and you are uh, making yourself known to them. And then over time, things happen and that intimacy, that level of relationship that you had starts to go away and you might still, you could definitely say like, yeah, I'm familiar with that person. I know them. I've, I've done a lot of stuff with them, but I don't know what they're going through right now. 
one of the ways that we get to grow in intimacy with God is through witnessing. We get to grow in intimacy with him as we interact with his word, first off. We get to, we get to understand who God is by actually taking scripture and listening to what that actually says and relating it back to ourselves. Um, and as I go through these scriptures and I, I look at the things that I think are really cool and I really want to take on and, like, and, and just make part of my life, and then I also look at some parts that I'm like, I'm not so sure that I like that actually, and you start to wrestle with those things, you get to do all of that while being in relationship with a God who loves you, understands you, and helps you to grow and actually becoming intimate with him. And so it's actually, as, as you're going through your time with the word and you're actually praying to him, you get to grow to understand how he just wants to work with you. But also with that, after, after you have grown in familiarity and you want to actually become and you have grown intimacy, another way that you can continue to grow and understand a bit more about what it means to live a life with God is to participate in that very work that God is doing here in this world right now. I think that one of the the scary things about witnessing is like I, I get I can get caught up and freaked out that I don't know if I'm going to be the next Billy Graham. I'm pretty sure I'm not going to be. Um, but the point, one of the things that he says here is that when, when God says that, I'm, that you're going to be my witnesses, he's not just talking to the, those people specifically there and just saying like, all right, you guys are going to be the ones who save the entire world. God is going to use all of us all of us as a community, as we interact with him, whether that scope be just a few people or a bunch, whoever it is, to be able to show God in a way that would not have been seen otherwise. And we get to be part of God's loving work to bring our world that has been separated from a good God back into a real intimate relationship with him. The Great Commission... The idea of like go out into the world and, and baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's a command. He tells people to do that. This passage, it's another, it's another account of the same time where Jesus is talking to these people. It's a promise. And we get to see how this is both a command and promise. Something that we are told to do. Something that God also is the one who's going to be working through us and enabling us to do the whole way. So we get to witness because it's good for us, because we get to work hand in hand with the Father who has designed us to do this work. This is him doing the work in and through us. It's not about him saying, you need to go do this to prove that you love me. He's, he wants to do this with us. And if we're not witnessing, we're missing out, honestly. The second thing, which I just, like, when we're talking about the idea of, like, how Jesus is the light of the world, the one that we want to point people to, 
Witnessing is for everybody's good. It's not just for our own. Um, when I was a kid, I was going to a Christian uh, summer camp. I was probably like nine years old or something like that. And there was a guy who was giving a message in chapel, because it's like that's what you do at church summer camp. Um, and this message still sticks with me, I don't know, over oh, 20 years uh, later on. Um, he was talking about, like, you know that idea of, like, when, when you ask Jesus to save you, he's going to wipe away your sins, and there is nothing Nothing that is separating you from being able to go to heaven right away. Because everything is washed clean. It's all put onto Jesus. But why is it that you don't just get beamed up into heaven right away? It's because God still has work for you here. And it's not because... Um, it's it, like, like what I was saying before, it's not because he wants you to like earn something and... Uh, and prove that you believe or whatever it is, but rather that he just wants to do this work with you. Um, Romans chapter 1, verse 16 says, uh, this is Paul speaking, for I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and also to the Greek. Paul was excited about the gospel because this is it, guys. The idea of like what, what the, the world needs right now and how broken everything is right now, how, how we can look at our own personal relationships and see how broken that, that is. We can turn on the news and see how awful everything is out there. Um, not only in our country, but all over the world. There's a whole lot of difficult stuff going on right now. And God is the answer through Jesus Christ. And we get to share how he is what everyone needs. And when I'm talking about what everyone needs, I'm not just talking about like the idea that like people who are in this place right now who are at least open to hearing about who Jesus is, everybody, whether or not they know who Jesus is, needs him. Have you ever gone into like a Walmart or something and just started tearing up because you just see so many people who need Jesus? I genuinely have. Um, and that's the crazy thing is that like all of us, whether or not we know him, we need him on a regular basis. And so we get to witness for other people's good. We get to share with them what they need more than anything else. And once again, as we continue to do that, we also get to reap the benefits of being reminded of like, oh yeah, I need this too. And so how is it, how do we witness today in, um, in our world right now? So we cannot be good witnesses if we are talking about somebody or something that we don't know anything about. We first off know about who Jesus is through scriptures. If we look back at Acts chapter 1 verse 3, 
it says that Jesus presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of 40 days. Jesus Jesus was giving them first-hand account about who he is after he had come back to life. The Bible is basically our closest window that we have to understanding who God is from people who actually got to know him personally. Um, and so, first off, foremost, understanding who he is through, through studying the Bible, um, we know that uh, there are many sources of information out, out in the world, very, very many uh, sources of news, and we also know that there's a lot of sources of fake news out there. Um, there's a lot of people just saying stuff just for the sake of being able to say it. Being able to pull away a lot of different voices and just go back to the source to be able to say, okay, this is what God says about who he is, as close as I can possibly find it. I need to focus on this first to understand who he is. Um, I was getting my, uh, my hair cut one night. Crazy, right? Uh, and when the lady asked me what I was, what I did for a living, and I told her that I was a seminary student, as I was at the time, at the time. and she responded, yeah, that's nice. You know, I'm really excited for when they find the rest of the Bible. And, uh, yeah, guess what we talked about for this the evening? Um, that, that <laughs> I, it, it really shocked me how somebody's just openly just saying like, yeah, I mean, obviously it's just not all there or whatever. And yet like it, it got me to thinking too about how often it's easy for us to think about how God likes to hide himself behind like spiritual riddles. Like obviously if I don't have everything together in my life, there must be some sort of special thing that I, that I must be missing that I haven't um, heard yet, that I haven't gotten yet. But the crazy thing is, is that once again, like Jesus was showing in this passage, he's directly talking to people about who he is and being very open about it, using convincing proofs to show me, like, I'm here, I'm alive right now, I'm going away. He was being very, very clear about this. In fact, in 1 Corinthians, we can see that he was also doing this to over 500 people at the time. So it wasn't just like a, a group of like 10 people who you know, may or may not uh, all be in on it together. But he was actually doing it in front of a huge crowd so that all of these people would be firsthand witnesses so that they could continue to share about this crazy time where this guy who said that he was God's son was actually killed and then he came back to life and he says, now go and tell everybody about this. Also in uh, Luke chapter 24, verse 27, uh, there were a couple of guys who were just walking over to the city called Emmaus and uh, Jesus, after he came back to life, went to them, and it says in this verse, and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. He went back and just went from day until night, just talking with them the whole way through about like, yeah, all this stuff, it's about me, and it's about the world being saved. He's very, very open about it. 
So we get to first see God through the scriptures that he has shown us. But then secondly, we understand who God is and we witness because of our own personal experience. Think back, much like Israel had to do. God saved them out of slavery and gave them the honor and duty to bring the nations to them, to him. We also get to participate. I'm sorry. We get to participate with him because of that work that not only did he do back from like back from Genesis and then Exodus where he saved people out of Egypt, but he has also worked stories in each of our lives. What has he saved you from? What was your Egypt that he saved you from? When you ask yourself, why is it that I follow Jesus? Where does your mind go? What story just popped into your head? For me... I asked Jesus to save me when I was four years old. My, my mom was having a Bible study with me when I was four years old. And I understood at that time, I still have a clear memory of this, that I had sinned, that I had done bad things, and that I needed Jesus to save me. And so I asked him to save me so that I could be clean. And I was really thankful to be forgiven. And boy, I, I, I loved that Jesus would actually forgive me and save me for what I did. But for some reason, I thought that from that point on, God left me alone. I needed to prove that I believed from that point on. I needed to prove that I was saved. And because I had that, that thought in my mind, I got really frustrated with myself, and I also got really frustrated with God because I could not stop sinning. And I started to hate church because I saw it as a bunch of liars getting together every single day, Sunday. They, they must have been as tired and frustrated as I was. And yet at the same time, they pretended that God was making them happy just like I was. And... Uh, that was, that was basically the idea. Like I was going to Bible studies. I was going to a bunch of different things throughout the week. I was just getting all the church you could possibly get, and yet I was angry at God. I just did not want to have anything to do with him. So after I, I graduated high school, I went to a Bible school actually here in Texas for a year, basically, so that I knew that if I went to Bible school for a year, then my family would leave me alone. Um. Yeah, he went to Bible school. I'm sure that he's making good decisions. And it was there that I learned that Jesus never left me alone. He had been using me for his glory that whole time, even when I thought that I'd already messed up everything way, way earlier. And... I also learned that my story 
is not about me trying to show how good I am because of like that platform that God gave me, but rather that it's about him using somebody as imperfect as me and that he loves me. He gave himself up for me and that he lives through me so that other people can be saved and know the good and perfect loving God that he is. And so that time shifted my life. That was my Egypt right there is when I realized that like my own self, my own, um, my own living for myself is what Jesus saved me from. And trying to earn my way to heaven is what he saved me from. And so I learned that my, like that, well, in learning that my life was not a story about me, I, um, I, just felt like I needed to use my life to share this with as many people as possible. So I got, I, I, I left that school. I went to uh, an actual um, accredited uh, college where I got a, a bachelor's degree in biblical studies. I spent a few years as a Bible teacher. I went to seminary for a while and then I moved here in Austin and now I work at realtor.com. Um, to each their home. Um, But the most important thing that I can see in my life right now is that Jesus has changed me profoundly. And that even though that's what I'm doing with my normal nine to five, I'm here because I just want people to know about how Jesus, who Jesus is and how he, he saved me. And that is a very broad picture, but that's my story. Honestly, I don't think it's super interesting. Um, I think about like how my dad's story very quickly was that he went to Bible school, actually that same Bible school, um, because his mom had, um, had offered to pay for him to go live there. And he just thought like free room and board sounds good. So I'm just going to go and do that instead of uh, what I'm doing right now, which is working in an underwater circus while swimming with pigs. (laughs) Yeah, that's an interesting story. (laughs) And I will always use every chance I get to tell that story. (laughs) But honestly, one of the things that I can always get worked up about with my witness, my testimony, is that I feel like I might need to spice it up or something like that make it something special, like go into the, the deeper, like darker stuff or whatever. Honestly, guys, and this is for everyone here, is that the reason why your witness, the stuff that he saved you from is interesting is because he did that in you. And that is a, that is a specialized story that only that, that you get to benefit from first and foremost. And it's really nice to be able to go back and really meditate on like, wow, that's what God did for me. But then to use that and to share that with someone else, I know I always appreciate just being able to hear people talk about, honestly, about what, what they're passionate about. Witnessing is about you sharing what you have experienced through your eyes. You don't have to spice up your story. In fact, no embellishment can compete with how God has actually changed you. You also don't have to hide your mistakes. Struggles 
and failures, there's something that all of us have experienced <laughs> one way or another. And none of us are good enough to impress God on our own. But to be able to share how you're still struggling even after knowing Jesus can mean a whole lot to somebody who doesn't know him too. Because of this, we don't, we don't become good witnesses because we're just really good at sharing our stories or whatever, but because we were, once again, walking hand in hand with our God who's enabling us to do the whole thing. That through the Holy Spirit that we, that we looked at in this passage, he enables us to do stuff that we didn't even know because he's doing the work in the end. So how do I witness today? First and foremost, pray. Pray to be a witness. Pray to have the courage to be honest and just real with people. Pray that people would also be ready to just listen. Pray that uh, somebody that you thought that door got closed on years ago, I don't talk about Jesus with them anymore. Pray that he could do something there. Pray that you could meet somebody that you haven't met Believe it or not, like I've, I've prayed that prayer. Every time I've prayed that prayer, if I've gone on a trip and prayed like, Lord, I'd, I'd like to meet somebody that I could share Jesus with. I, I've met so many people who are just ready to hear the gospel that like I got frustrated. <laughs> like, okay, here we go again. So Jesus, you know, like, I mean, like I, I really, because it's like, because God was using that availability. He does amazing things. And in the end, it's all about what he's doing, not about us. Guys, I know that witnessing can be scary. To be honest, it isn't without its risks. Like, it's not always going to go down well. But at the same time, that's only going down well from our perspective. God has a much bigger plan of what's going on too. And if, if you talk to somebody and they're just not having it at all, it doesn't mean that God didn't use that conversation to do something special in their life. The beautiful thing is that witnessing at its core is about Jesus, not about us. We witness because he's already done that work of redemption and restoration in our hearts. And that even if we've forgotten that, we can always go back and relearn how good he is. We witness because we love other people and because we want them to know the source of true hope, true love, and true peace. We witness because God loves the world and he has chosen us to help share that love. And just like he promised through the Holy Spirit, he's with us every step of the way. So this is not a, a message here that I've been talking about where I want to just like guilt us to want to say like, you know, it's just we need to go and we need to like share better and do all this better here and there. No, this is an invitation, guys. Let's get to know the God who loves us more than anything, more than we could love ourselves, honestly. And as we get continue to benefit from that, Let's invite other people in. It's an opportunity. 
Let's pray. Uh, dear Lord, we just thank you for this time. We thank you for um, just the absolute honor that it is to be known by you. Not only the fact that that we get to know you and to grow and live with you every single day, but that you care about us. And that that care is something that we get to um, share and that we get to uh, invite people to just see how good you are. So Lord, I just pray that, that if any of us here today feel like they have not heard from you in a really long time, that they just feel far, that they feel like they they need something. I don't even know what it is. Lord, I pray that you would meet them in that place. Lord, I pray that you would work in all of us to to just fall in love with you like that first time. And Lord, I pray that you would continue to work in the city of Austin and in the hearts of the people here that when we're trying to fix the world and try to make everything better, that, Lord, I pray that in the middle of all of that, that you would be seen as what we really need more than anything else. And Lord, I pray that you would equip all of us here who know you to be that light that Josh was talking about at the beginning, but that, that, that witness that you talked about in Acts. Lord, Lord, change us, support us, use us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. We hope this message encourages you and strengthens your faith. 